Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Last time we spoke about after-death experience that the souls have to go through after the incarnation. Today I want to learn how souls actually prepare to incarnate. Is there a specific set of steps that the soul has to go through before the incarnation? Yes, absolutely. So it's a little bit of a lengthy question, or maybe should I say a little bit of a broad question. So I'm just going to give you the the best answer that I have given on how I understand your question. So the process starts with the planning always, right? For your higher self. How might that look like? Generally speaking, there is a space that each of your, each of your respective souls calls its own in the etheric realm. And it's, it's kind of like their own personal house, if you will, although house is a very big over generalization because most of the times it's not a house, but it's a series of different um, rooms and experiences that your soul likes to have. One of these rooms is the planning room. The planning room is the place where your soul goes and spends time quite regularly as it's planning its next incarnation. Usually, though, they don't they don't just, you know, lock themselves in a room for like 10 hours or whatever to plan something start to finish. This is kind of like their creative space. So they and they treat it as such. So it's almost like they're a library of sorts. And that library is kind of like their own personal Akashic field. So they're connected um, to the Akashic field of, of their own soul as well as other souls. So it's a database and a research room as well as the planning room. So here they could, there's, let's say there are a number of experiences that is available to your soul. For instance, they can just randomly project certain experiences from the field of, from the realm of the Akashic records that could give them a certain outcome. For instance, your higher self might be, okay, might be, um, it's almost like, um, in some ways, it's like the, the searching Google. It's like searching a large data, database. That's the closest analogy I could come up with. And they're like, okay, well, show me all the best, all the coolest ways that I can learn compassion, for instance. And then, you know, the database of the Akashic field does the search. And then they're projecting on a screen all the experiences from all of these other soul journeys of other people, other souls, should I say, that... Um, taught them compassion, right? So some part of it is also like your souls need to be inspired. And so what ends up happening is your soul, as it's going through that experience, and and it's not unlike watching movies. So in the way that you guys get entertained by watching like a Netflix show, your higher self gets entertained by watching other people learn certain cool stuff, such as compassion. And uh, it creates bookmarks for its favorite pathways or some really cool experiences. And these bookmarks are 
stored in an overlay, in an overshell of the Akashic field, um, where your higher self always has access to that and where they could always come back for more inspiration or for, to actually start drawing and assembling their actual life. So at any point in time, you may have billions of bookmarks ready to go at any point in time. Um, and then basically it all starts with a mission or um, a desire. So your higher self always have, well, first, your higher self always knows a lot about itself. And then there is some other stuff that it doesn't know about itself. And maybe let me preface that by saying that when you are first split from source consciousness and as such start perceiving yourself as an individual entity or a higher self, if you will, or a soul or a spirit, all are really the same thing in, in this particular context, you don't yet know yourself. So the only thing that essentially that you know is that you're energy and, and, and that you came from source. And that's really all that you know. But you don't really fully understand what kind of energy you are. Because for you to really truly know, you have to go through a set of experiences. And through these experiences, you make certain choices that, again, you didn't know that you would have made. Through these experiences, certain things start bubbling up to the top. And that is how you learn who you are at soul level. And that is how some souls really come out on the other side, displaying such traits as courage and other souls might, um, you know, dis display other traits like passion or, you know, anger, you know, the full arsenal doesn't have to be just positive. And so first and foremost, when your soul is planning an incarnation, it knows the stuff that it knows about itself. And it knows that there is a realm of, I don't know that I don't know yet. And so depending on which aspect of itself it wants to work on, it would plan accordingly. So if your soul completely wants to go into the unknown territory, you know, as in, I know that there is something about me that I don't know yet because I haven't gone through some experiences. What it would ask the Akashic field to create is a set of experiences that have the farthest away coordinates from the set of experiences that the soul created. I'm going to try to rephrase what I just said because I think it's quite complicated. So the Akashic Record is a very smart database. What it does know is everything about you and everything about everybody else. It knows the sets of experiences that you have come through and gone through. Now imagine that all of your experiences form a pillar of light. And the Akashic Record field as a very smart entity, as a very smart database and energy, knows exactly what set of coordinates went into, or what set of, should I say, numerology, numbers. You know, what makes up you, your own pillar of light. And then, you know, let's say that a bunch of experiences that you've, and I'm really trying to bring it home for you guys, so I'm giving you very strange knowledges. Imagine that in the grand scheme of the universe, every, every energy is a number of zero through nine, just, just go, go with me in, in, in this analogy. And now imagine that a lot of the experiences that your higher self had were fives and sixes in this pillar of light. So when the Akashic field examines your own pillar, all it says is, uh, is a combination of five, six, five, six, five, six. And like from this perspective, it knows that you've already mastered five, six. So if your higher self wants to learn what it doesn't know that it doesn't know, 
it would ask the Akashic Record to suggest pathways and lives for itself that would take it outside of its comfort zone. And so the Akashic Record field is going to look at your pillar and know that your biggest area of opportunity is outside of the five and six. And most likely with the borderline states of zero and nine, because zero and nine is really removed from the center of, you know, of, of that um, spectrum, right? So zero is really removed from a five, six, and nine is really removed from a five, six. So it's going to generate a bunch of different potential incarnations for you from those two realms. And then, of course, it's up to your higher self to do some type of hybrid of all of these suggested paths. And generally, there is like mathematical type equations that are used for this. And it's it's a little bit of a mishmash and almost like a collage of, of the different lives and experiences that your soul then signs off on. Right. And, and that is how the path is formed. And um, based on this path, what you plan is what the ideal outcome is, um, how much you want to learn, what kind of impact you want to have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you also plan certain critical points in time. And you also know exactly what kind of critical relationships you're going to have because your relationships are going to be driven by your experiences. For example, one of the experiences that you may choose for yourself is, I don't know, uh, getting, I don't know, your father and mother divorcing when you're 10, right? So that is the experience that was suggested by the Akashic Record field, for instance. However, that also means that you have mother-father figures that need to be a couple and they need to divorce, essentially. So it would be then later your job for your higher self to go and recruit other souls into this mission. At the same time, your higher self is also going to be recruited into other people's missions. And generally, there is like a good, you know, give and take there. Like the universe always makes sure that you cannot just give, give, give or take, take, take. There's always a balance. So that's one. Um, and, and by one, I mean, that is one way that these things get planned. Um, and these generally, like this pathway, this path is generally taken when your higher self doesn't know something about itself and doesn't know that it doesn't know it. The second aspect is when your higher self knows exactly what its shortcomings are from its perception, from its perspective. Like there, is, there are areas within itself that it feels need work. Generally, it comes from the knowing, the deeper knowing of some type of split in consciousness of fragmentation, where certain parts of itself are not fully integrated. You can also think of it as the shadow aspect. And it would want to bring more parts of themselves, of itself, to light, because the more parts of itself that come to light, the more light that you can encompass as a being, and you ascend faster, essentially, because that is a definition of ascension being able to hold on more and more light over time and thus, you know, move upwards in terms of a frequency. So if your higher self already knows that it needs to fix an issue, let's say that issue has to do with capacity for self-love, right? And that is part of the green spectrum or the pink spectrum of its own energies because capacity of self-love, there is like lower capacity for self-love that would be your emerald sector there is higher capacity for self-love that would be your pink sector. So it basically selects a weak spot. And then again, it goes back to the Google database of the Akashic Records and it says, okay, show me all the experiences I could be having to fix this issue of self-love. And then all of these experiences are being generated. And of course, your higher self doesn't have a single point of fo focus. 
it is able to receive multiple streams at the same point in time. So the Akashic Record field um, query might generate a billion different options and your higher self would be able to examine all of these options pretty much instantaneously and select its favorites. And then again, like the process is pretty much very similar from there. You would go and create a hybrid of your favorite options. Sometimes you would refer to your bookmarks. If something in your bookmarks um, is of relevance, generally the relevant bookmarks based on your query light up and kind of almost like jump off of the shelf, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. and, and then you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that I bookmarked that. This is really cool. Why don't I have this experience of, I don't know, <laughs> drowning when I was 13 or something where it, when I turned 13, <laughs> you know? And again, like what's fun from the perspective of your higher self might be completely terrible from the perspective of actually having to go through that, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah, I don't know if you had any questions. I don't want to get too long-winded with my answers if you had. So it feels answer. like it's a team game. Oh my God, yes. Right? So you have to recruit other higher selves. Yes. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> well, it's, and, and that's the whole point, right? It is, everything is a team sport. And um, how you're separated here and that feeling of loneliness, you, you don't really experience this in, in too many other places, right? Like this is about as lonely as it gets. Everything else everywhere else is pretty much a team sport and everybody knows it, right? So like it's as natural as breathing, like collaborating with others, coexisting, co-creating is so much fun at soul level that in fact, they're seeking out those experiences. It's fun for them to do it together hmm. and fun to do it all over again and change places. And you know, like you be the daughter, I'll be the mother, then I'll be the mother, you'll be the daughter and then let's do it again and you know, so uh, let's do it again under different circumstances i wonder how uh, to what degree it's a controlled experience and to what degree it's like a, you know a, a chance or like luck or like whatever you call it because uh if everything is planned and you play with your team but what if something goes wrong and you are completely off the path and you start interacting with other souls that you don't have an agreement mm -hmm. and then it becomes a mess oh well it doesn't become a mess or like it just becomes a really interesting experience yeah <laughs> where so everything there's is always, off, out of control well there's always a coefficient when when um when a game not a game well i guess it's a game um an incarnation is what i meant to say but really your higher self sometimes treats it like a game um, like a virtual reality, right? When that is being programmed uh, and coded and solidified, there is always an element of unknown. So one of the variables that you do put in, in there is the, the wildcard element. And so when you're projecting forth, that wildcard element is being projected at ma micro and macro level. And what I mean by that is you don't know what's going to happen internally in your body or externally in your reality, both of wild cards, by the way, right? So at any point in time, and by the way, because you're planning a very linear life, um, there is a variable of a wild card, like a joker being projected at any point in time. And then you're basically, it's, it's giving you a standard deviation from your ideal path. And based on the standard deviation, again, it's a very mathematically precise thing, planning an incarnation. You put in certain things in place. So for instance, you say like, okay, look, this is my ideal path. Um, and my standard deviation is plus five, minus 5% 5 from that path. 
is what you define as a soul. Some souls say, you know what, plus 15, minus 15 is okay with me. Some souls are like plus 50, minus 50 is fine with me, do whatever you want. So the, the level of tightness, so to say, or strictness is up to your higher self, right? And by the way, it's not always created equal. It depends on the incarnation. Certain incarnations, you're like, I just want to live that experience and none else. Don't give me anything else. And sometimes you're a little bit more lackadaisical. You're like, okay, you know, whatever. Like, I want to have my lower self. Like, I want to give them like a shot and, you know, allow them to just go with it. So as you're projecting this incarnation, number one interesting part is if your standard deviation exceeds the range that you provided, you create experiences and they're almost like a computer test they're almost like a certain occurrence that you write into the code that is going to have to act in a way that brings you back into the standard deviation interval does that make sense it's a little mathematical yeah is it like certain events yes or people actually too for example um let's say that like you've really decided that you are, a, you, you like want to live this life as a ballerina. Um, and your standard deviation might be you'll settle for being a dancer, right? But if you become a painter, somehow your higher self decided that that's not cool and it doesn't want to be a painter, although it's an artistic thing. So maybe the standard deviation is not even that great between an artist and a, and a ballerina or whatever. But your higher self just thinks that it is. It could put certain things in your path to stir you back to being a ballerina. And that could be anything. And by the way, these types of things are pre-written. For instance, it could put books and movies in front of you that stir you towards that direction. It could put people in front of you that, you know, randomly, that they're, they're kind of like always there available and they're part of the matrix. So these are not going to be beings necessarily. The ones that are working with standard deviation, more often than not, are just like the, the agents of the matrix, so to say. And it's like a being that just reminds you they're supposed to be a ballerina. It could be, it could also, by the way, it gets to communicate to you through your dreams. You know, like there are so many levers that your higher self can pull, by the way, to get you back into alignment. If you're outside of the range, it could even freaking kill you. <laughs> I know it sounds really morbid and I apologize, but if, if, if it's um, one of the ways that it actually uh, solves for the aspects of itself that are playing too far away from the standard deviation and, and, and the predestined plan, is they're like, they create like an accident and that, that, that person just dies. It's, it's one of the ways that um, they're fixing for um, like aspects of themselves that have strayed too far from the path. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes soul contracts also that exist that if this girl really forgot that this other person needs to come find them and remind them mm -hmm. that, hey, you're really not supposed to be a painter. What are you doing? You should be dancing. Mm. Or um, th the one thing that we have to remember here again is that concept of the multiverse, right? So just because some aspect of you didn't choose like and let, let's maybe forget about the ballerina example but maybe let's talk about whoever your higher self wanted you to marry right say that you end up in one of the because you asked me like is this a controlled experience or is this not a controlled experience 
The entirety of the multiverse is a controlled experience, but each of the subsections of the multiverse is not a controlled experience because your higher self optimizes at macro level. And what I mean by that is, imagine that your particular version of the multiverse because of all the changes that you've made. And again, like for those of you that haven't listened to the previous episodes, I'll just remind you. The concept of the multiverse is very, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you. The concept of the multiverse is very simple and easy at the same time. Your life is not linear. And by the way, there are multiple versions of this current incarnation exist, uh, that exist in ether. And they're based on all of the choices that you've made in the past. So every time you make a life altering decision, you think you choose one option and not the other, but at soul level, your soul chooses to experience both. It's just from your avatar perspective, you only have memory of choosing one. But of course, at your soul level, at your higher self level, she's monitoring or he's monitoring both of these options. And then, of course, as time goes by and, and these decisions mount, you end up with a concept of a multiverse, which is really thousands, if not millions of possible pathways. Now, your higher self, like I said, um, optimizes at the macro level of the multiverse concept, which means that it needs to make sure that there exists a path and that might be one of a million, one of a hundred thousand paths that is very close to the optimal paths. For instance, if we're talking about who you're supposed to marry, your, if your higher self is dead said that you must marry this guy or this girl, it will make sure no matter what, there is at least one pathway where you end up with that person by hook or by crook. You know, it'll come to you in your dreams. It'll like literally make you run into that person 20,000 times, you know, it'll just be glaringly obvious and it'll make you almost right. It'll put, start putting the scenario in front of you so many times that eventually you'll just be like, okay, fine. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean though that the rest of these pathways, you end up with this person. You may end up with 30 other people, frankly. Yeah. And, or sometimes you might end up in three different dysfunctional marriages instead of one good one. This doesn't mean though, that these are the versions that are going to be uploaded by your higher self. However, your higher self is keeping all of them to see what happens in the end. And I've have seen it happen time and time again, that whatever your higher self perceived was the most optimal version was not the version that actually ultimately ended up being uploaded to the Akashic record field because through the concept of the multiversing, another line contained within itself more learnings and more expansion and more light for your higher self. So that was the version that was uploaded. And that was the version that was, uh, you know, became the official story. Wow. That's mind blowing. So basically it is controlled and not controlled at the same time. Correct. Got it. Okay. It's the yes universe. The answer is always yes to anything you ask. <laughs> Uh, is it mandatory? You're welcome. <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it is it mandatory to incarnate? No. Can a soul just be forever in 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 the ether? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Do people do souls choose this? Yes, about ten percent of souls never incarnate. <laughs> okay, we'll have how, another. How do they learn them about themselves? Yeah. By by guiding others. It's a little bit covert, oh, but it's they fine. just it's learn from others. Well, yeah, well, like imagine, right? Like imagine like you incarnated here, right? But you never really wanted to have your own experiences, but you, you just like watch TV all day, every day. And you like watched, watched a bunch of good stories. You'd still learn. You learn about love, depending on which movies you, you like, you, if you watch Star Wars, you'd learn about galaxies. It's like science that 
theoretical correct and then there yep. <laughs> there is practitioners that yes the one thing i will tell you though is the learnings when you participate are a lot more visceral and and as opposed to something you just saw you know mm-hmm. and so the evolution the pace of your evolution the speed of your evolution or ascension however you want to think about it is much faster if you choose to incarnate and so the the more you incarnate the more frequently the faster you're going to grow got it okay and um i was also wondering like how much time actually higher self spends planning and watching like this game versus living its own life in this another world oh it depends on the it depends actually um it's between 10 and 25 percent that's spent on planning the um the incarnations but it's also like one of the most enjoyable things that your soul does Mm -hmm. so they really like it yeah yeah and how many incarnations you can have uh, simultaneously well it depends on uh on, on your own soul level you know there is a yoda master <laughs> and then there is like a five-year-old so i mean am i supposed to overgeneralize for you um up until you reach a certain level um it's highly not recommended so up until a certain level you can only project one like one really um and then so basically that would already represent the split right so one one aspect of you is projected in, into an incarnation and the other one is, is holding the fort holding the base at home so to say the, the rest of you right um i would say on average and again i hate averages when we talk about soul level because just the sheer amount of diversity at soul level is mind-boggling even within our own cell of reality it's it's pretty drastic nothing like what you what you experience here on earth it's not even like comparing an ant to the sun it's like way worse (laughs) Uh, but i would say an average for a young soul is three incarnation simultaneously and each of them is a multiverse obviously and an average for a medium level soul is between 10 and 12 and then um you know the highest souls within our um like immediate um immediate vicinity would be about 30 different streams at the same time still a limited number though yeah it requires a lot of energy and time or like not time but like whatever energy well and there's other stuff to do like let's uh there's other stuff to do not just incarnate yeah you know there are other ways to learn you know you learn a lot actually by uh helping others and coaching others and teaching others and and you know interacting with others in that world outside of having to or being in the game so to say got it and we'll have a separate episode about Mm -hmm. this sure okay and um and how often do souls incarnate they're generally incarnating continuously so it's not it's not technically correct to say how often most of the souls that choose the path of incarnation are constantly incarnating and because it's not like you're say say you have three streams it's not that they begin and end all at the same time they're stacked mm-hmm. so like you you like launch new ones and then uh, you know parts of you come back parts of you leave 
Hmm. You know, it's it's uh, like a highway with like all these cars running around. For example, for a young soul, would it be possible to just come and go, come and go, like without any rest and uh, kind of learning? Well, the aspects of itself, when it's integrating back, that is the process of rest. Uh-huh. That's all the rest of the soul needs. They don't need anything beyond that. So when it it's finally rejoined with its original primordial energies, it doesn't need to rest there. It is literally that next moment it's ready to split again. Mm. If, it, if it chose to. Oh, got it. Maybe I was just thinking about like earthly years. Is it like oh. same year, <laughs> a couple oh, that of years? Also really, that also really depends. That also really depends because... Okay. Virtual reality, the same as the matrix, exists in a how do i best explain this imagine it's a book or like a movie on a on a tape like a movie on a tape you you don't you can incarnate like for instance you can die in 1987 and reincarnate back in 1988 but it doesn't mean that it took you one year one human year up there to do that it just means that you decided to project yourself into that year but you could have projected yourself in that moment into 1886 into 2000 ad into year 6551 you know at any point in time got it so you basically can incarnate in the past what i'm trying to say is that there is no completely no correlation between time-space reality as you're experiencing it today mm-hmm. and how your higher self experiences the, the dimension that I would call infinity and exter- uh, eternity. Mm. There is no correlation because from the perspective of infinity and eternity dimension or space, ether, your reality is a tape that can be watched from any year at any point in time and then rewound and watched again yeah that makes sense okay okay and um i was like thinking if like all souls want to incarnate or there are souls that kind of don't want to but they kind of get not pushed but you know like Sometimes I think that, for example, I've heard that sometimes souls can decide not to incarnate last second. Yeah. Like you're just about to incarnate and you're like, okay, nope. Yep. Not this time. Yep. (laughs) I was wondering like why this happens. Why this happens? Yeah. Um... You're kind of excited and you planned everything and you're like, nope. Yeah, the problem is you start descending, you start the great descent. And as you start the great descent into the body, you start changing perspective. So it's not dissimilar to the shift of the assemblage point, or or rather it's the closest thing that you could uh, experience to the assemblage point shift. For those of you that don't know what assemblage point is, there is an episode on that. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did it. Uh, But basically your perception changes. So when you're at your soul level, 
you're this great unified, like in your power, know everything, planned everything, not afraid of anything, dying at 13 sounds awesome, drowning is even better, having heart, you know, your heart broken is the shortcut to learning love. Do you know what I mean? And then you start descending. And then you're like, holy cow, I'm descending. I'm like dimension seven, I'm dimension six, I'm dimension five. And then you're like, oh my God, now I'm going to be have to, now I'm going to have to be the one who dies at 13. I'm going to be, have to be the one that like is freaking broke and, you know, has to struggle. And then you might get cold feet. But the reason you get cold feet is because your perception is shifted in that moment in time. Because you are not your full higher self. You're this reduced aspect of your higher self, by the way. Right. And if you remember one of my analogies from earlier, let's say you're a part of that red stream, right, that came here to practice anger um, and, you know, and, and had has wrath issues. Right. And you got sent into from your, the perspective of your higher self, a really fun, perfect scenario that is going to enable you to heal that. But you are this aspect that's broken and you're descending and you're now experiencing these low vibrations and the pull and the gravity. And by the way, at soul level, gravity freaking sucks. Like that experience of descending is like my least favorite experience to have as a soul. I'll tell you, I'll be honest, like not fun. And then of course, like this gravity hits you and then you're like, well, great, because you still have all your memories intact. So you know exactly what was planned for you, by the way. But at the same time, it stops being the game and becomes real. And then, and then you're in that moment in time where like, it's time to occupy your body, but you don't want it anymore. Cause you're like, eh, this scenario freaking sucks. And I already know it. No, thank you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> funny, uh, but not funny. Can, can you... <laughs> your, your higher self is really frustrated when that happens. <laughs> Cause you know what, even from this point, you're already tarnished. And so you have to go back upstairs through the same sortation facility and like the cleaning and blah, blah, blah. And then it's really embarrassing when there's nothing to rewatch, especially if there is a panel, but whatever. <laughs> and then the, like it has to wait for you for that energy to come back to itself so it can start it all over again. So, yeah, your higher self is not going to be too thrilled. Uh, can you give us a quick overview of this um, descending experience and uh, how uh how it works yeah so um the <laughs> so the first thing and oh, it, it's also quite uncomfortable is the split um there is a separate room i know i call them rooms cell i don't know how you want to call it space <laughs> there is a separate space that you go into and that is your personal space it's not a collective space it's not like um an airport um, it's your personal room. It's a very intimate process of splitting. Uh, now, you may choose to do it by yourself if you're a pretty um, evolved soul, if you're older, again, older is inapplicable, mature as a soul, you would do the splitting yourself. If you're a younger soul, there are helpers there um, that would enable you to split the actual, like just enough of the energy, like the, your energy is portioned, um, you know, exactly like they want to cut, so to say, although cut is like not the right word. It's really the splitting, kind of like splitting hairs is what happens. Like, so there might be up to three souls that would help you to split in the perfect way. And then honestly, what happens from there is in, in the middle of that room, there is a shaft and it's, it's kind of like in the floor. 
And um, that shaft, uh, now again, like the experience from the part that becomes split and the experience from the part that does the splitting are different experiences. Um, do you want to hear both of them or just one of them? Um, yeah, why not both? So it... from the perspective of, of, of your higher self, the splitting is actually not even that. Um, it, it's not an, an unpleasant experience. It's just a portion of your energy uh, kind of like being separated from yourself. And then it's kind of like being stored away, like you're still connected to it mm -hmm. and you actually have access to it. Um, and, you know, there are many ways that you would choose to visualize that as, as a self, um, as, as a higher self. self. Um, you may, um, you know, have access. Basically, there's like a room, another cell for all of your incarnated parts. And each of them live in like in a little shell, right? So for all intents and purposes, you kind of like have like a little incubator as a higher self. In a, in a different cell and um and, and you have access to all of these parts and that's how you monitor them like you, you kind of like have a speed dial with all of them yeah. the part that gets split is not not the fun part not the comfortable part because there is this shaft um and it's 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 like a descending tube really um of like it's a tube of light and what it takes you is it takes you through time and space and if you watch the the matrix movie um, you know, like I remember that part where like Neo got connected to like this little spiky thing that kind of like connected it to the matrix. So it's not dissimilar to that experience. Although like nothing gets inserted into any physical body because you don't have a physical body. You're frankly just energy. But what's happening is that part of you is descending and it's a drop. It's kind of like, you know, how they have in um, in like amusement parks. They have these attractions where you're like, it's a like a, a drop. Um on a ride or something and it's like a it could be like a I don't know, 100 feet drop and like y y your stomach kind of like sinks it has the sinking feeling so it's kind of like from the feeling perspective that's kind of like how it feels to descend um when you descend um you're going through a massive lowering of vibrations and that's why this actually feels really heavy because you're becoming heavy essentially so you go through these stages and depending on how high of a soul you are there's more stages for you to fall. Like the, the higher you fly, the longer the fall and the worse it feels actually. So like um, older souls, more evolved souls, um, the ones that get closer to the energy of source, for them, the descent actually is the most unpleasant part. Um, just because it's um, the difference in, dim in dimensions is so drastic and in, in, in your perception, then basically have all these um you know you descend so you, you drop 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 and it's like stages you know you drop um, and it's not like one continuous drop but like there are layers and then they're like um in the shaft there are like new layers that open and you keep dropping and then another layer opens so you keep dropping um and then the last layer is the veil of forgetfulness um and basically you make a decision to whether or not to whether go into the body or not go into the body here and if you choose not to you can you can still kind of like exit um, at this last frontier, the last gate. Uh, if you chose to incarnate, you're going to go through and this last, do you remember how I told you like in, in the previous episode, we spoke about how you ascend and then there's like a waterfall, 
like uh, the golden waterfall that you're supposed to like the last step between you reconnecting with the higher self is a waterfall yeah there is a waterfall here which is the last step before incarnating and that's called the veil of forgetfulness and it is kind of like a little grayish um, a little like moon dust looking i don't know how else to describe it it's a little bit like a smoke uh, it's a waterfall of smoke and then you pass by it and then whatever memories you had about the big picture you don't have them anymore and and then you're in in, in the baby's body hmm. and uh in the baby's body once this baby gets um kind of in, in still still in the womb or it's it when you actually it depends uh-huh so um your higher self gets to actually decide when you enter. Uh, most souls enter uh, at the baby being about, um, like the mother being about three months pregnant. Um, that some babies or some souls choose to enter right after or right before birth. Um, it's a little more of a custom, custom experience. And some actually uh, already exist um, you can you can exist kind of like in this time space reality up until three years before your mom gets pregnant even oh wow yeah but it's like again even after the once you pass the veil of forgetfulness it's so fast when you're in soul level it, like it doesn't feel that long so at the level with the veil of forgetfulness if you yep. choose not to come mm-hmm. somebody else will take your place or if they can find somebody fast enough yes yeah. Um, there is, um, and you know who, who generally comes, these other th- souls that didn't want to go through that and then exited and then they're like, damn, what did I do? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so there's like a waiting room and then they have to wait for the next body because this one's been claimed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So very often, you know, there's kind of like this waiting area for the ones that already made the descent, uh-huh. but have decided that maybe they messed up that they exited this last minute and got cold feet so very often like they would they would be assigned to a new body i've also heard that children sometimes remember things even though they went through the well of forgetfulness yeah yeah oh let me actually just say one more thing then i'll I'll respond to that question um if nobody claims the body the baby dies or there's uh, you know yeah like there is a miscarriage or something there, 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 it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the baby remembers. Uh, very often when the baby remembers, it is part of the mission. It's like a setting. So by default, the setting is there are like m- multiple layers of remembrance. There are the sa- seven main fuses, so to say. Um, that generally, it's uh, you, you should think of them as kind of like... Um, the bottle that has like a cap that is screwed on. So when you go through the veil of forgetfulness, most of the times all seven get capped, all of your like memories. It is possible that your higher self has written in the instructions that one or a few of them must remain open, depending or based on your mission. And, you know, the veil of forgetfulness is the mechanism that is very smart um, n- not unlike the Akashic record field, but it is one of the um, helping mechanisms uh, to the matrix. And so it can make certain adjustments as you're entering your body. Very few times it is possible, but 
in, in certain cases, um, and those are far and in between, it can happen that something goes wrong in that encoding process and one or a few of your caps are not attached properly. And then you would maintain certain memories that you're not supposed to maintain. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but when the encoding process like that happens, very often a soul doesn't come through as intended. So they might um, develop uh, like a learning disability or um, some type of, well, you know, some type of psychiatric condition, whether early in life or later in life. So some some aspects that, you know, um, uh, some, some folks with a Down syndrome, for instance, is um, not all of them. But there are a lot of kids with a Down syndrome that have um, gone through the faulty encoding process. Hmm. So it's like a flaw in the system. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Got it. Okay. And uh, maybe just one last question. I was thinking about collective uh, missions and uh, how they are planned. Yep. Uh, maybe like uh, the Second World War. Yep. When millions of people died. Mm-hmm was it planned like together yeah they generally descend as a crew like millions of people millions of souls okay yeah because it's this. fun yeah yeah they like they like it's fun and who who's organizing this is it some soul that okay i'm gonna create this thing yeah. who wants to go yeah like yay millions of people yeah we well want it's to not go. that way um there's generally one soul that creates within itself like the, the nucleus of, of the other sponsors and they're generally of the more higher either higher dimensional dimensional is not the right word um like higher level souls that they're like a bunch of and, and they kind of like plan so it could be like a bunch of archangels get together and they're like why don't we have ourselves a war and then there's like a bunch of angels that go like yay and and so because the archangels are like are looked at as like the mentors or like the cool kids or whatever um they get to call the shots a lot and and that's how like so basically in the same way that authority works here like if the president of the united states wants to do something a bunch of people are going to want to do it and then if if some homeless person wants to do something nobody wants to do it do you know what i mean so it's the same thing like um you are influenced at soul level yeah right sometimes there is just one being that's so charismatic that everybody wants to play their game but generally speaking there is a group of souls that come up with something and then it gets disseminated in a form of concentric circles so there's the inner circle that forms the most active part of the mission and then there is like you know other concentric circles that are formed around it mm-hmm. and the outer circle always influence like the next level afterwards the next level afterwards and that's why it's almost like a little bit of a domino effect oh that makes sense Got it. Okay, that's clear now. That's awesome. All right. Thank you so much for sharing this information with us uh, today. Now I'm going to end this session. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversations with my higher self. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergey.